KZYX's on-air pledge drive ended on Monday night with a total of $85,000 collected or pledged. This amount was reached by over 700 people who donated to the station. We're so grateful to everyone who cast their vote of confidence for community radio. Thank you. The fall fundraising goal for this year is $100,000. We didn't quite reach it during the last week's drive, and it's important to meet our operating budget. We're still taking donations towards our goal. If you haven't had a chance to donate yet, you can still contribute to the pledge drive by visiting kzyx.org or sending a check to P.O. Box 1, Philo, California, 95466. Thank you gifts are still available. Help keep local public media strong in Mendocino County by becoming a member of KZYX. Stay tuned now for Universal Perspectives with host Chris Skyhawk. Good evening, KZYX listeners. This is Chris Skyhawk. I'll be host tonight for Universal Perspectives. That is Robert Hoyt with a remake on the great classic poem of Trees. I just love that song. And tonight, I'm going to dedicate this show to everybody who is struggling to bring truth and love and power into these difficult times. We have a couple of different guests tonight. My first guest is going to be Zia Catalini. She's been working in Enchanted Meadow in the Albion. Albion River. And my next guest will be Matt Simmons. Matt is a an attorney with the Environmental Protection Information Center, and, and Epic is raising concerns with the state about potential violence against forest protectors in Jackson Demonstration State Forest. Yes, I, and I will also mirror what Burton said earlier. Thank you, everybody, for continuing to support this remarkable endeavor that we have here. This community, community. Community radio station. What a, what a remarkable gem we have here. Thank you for every, all that you do for keeping us going. Oh, Burton, do we have Z online? Okay, let's bring Z on. Hello, Zia. Hi, I'm here, and Coyote is also here. Oh, great. Thank you so much, both of you, for being with us. Well, Zia, um, <clears throat> I want to bring our listeners up to date with what's happening in Chanton Meadow, but please give us some historical context. Well, in 1989, um, neighbors and, and myself um, on Road 18 in Little River found out about 
a pending harvest plan that had been approved by LP, and it was uh, about 140 acres in Slaughterhouse Gulch, and it had already been approved. And it included about 45 acres of clear cut, and uh, we were pretty upset about that because we always walked down to the Albion River, and we got, you know, used to those trees. They were part of our lives. So um, we had tried to, you know, we called CDF up, and I said, well, what, 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 what can we do about it, you know? And he said, there's nothing you can do about it. The plan's been approved. And I said, isn't there anything we can do? And he said, well, you can sue us. So that's what happened. And basically, that's how it is with CDF. Um, they submit to timber harvest plans, and people pour their hearts out and write sincere letters asking them to stop, to not cut, and um, they go ahead. And basically, they're fairly arrogant, and, you know, if you want to stop it, you have to sue them. And generally, um, that's really out of the ballpark for a lot of citizens. Mm. It's, it's quite costly and expensive, very time-consuming. Well, and also, anyway, also, this was the Enchantment Uprising in early 1990s, where there was dozens of arrests. There was a lot of civil disobedience. Judy Berry came out here, a lot of earth Earthfishers joined with the Alvin community. Let's, let's remember that part of the history, too. Yeah, that's the part most of the people remember because the first three years when we filed the lawsuit in 1989, um, we had gotten two favorable rulings in Superior Court. We had gotten the TRO and the preliminary injunction, but at the last minute they put another judge in and he ruled against the permanent injunction. So that case was in, in the appeals court, so there was an automatic stay on it for about three years, and then in 1992 the stay was lifted. And by that time, we had three years to, you know, talk to the community about it, and, and they learned about it. And we had uh, great allies with the um, Mendocino Environment Center, the MEC in Ukiah, and Judy Berry, and all the people that came out. It was quite a deal. So eventually, Zia, you and some other people were successful at protecting parts of en Enchanted Meadow. Tell us about that. Well, we were able to protect part of it for quite a while. Um, they had wanted to clear-cut Slaughterhouse Gulch and Dead Man's Gulch, and our original lawsuit and subsequent lawsuits stopped that for about 15 years or so. But in the process of all the uprising, um, LP filed um, what we call um, a slap suit, strategic lawsuit against public participation, and uh, a lot of people in the community got sued. And um, myself and one other um, defendant in the slap suit who held out were actually able to get land put into um, permanent conservancy, which is the areas right now that we're very concerned about because we have three parcels of land that Friends of Enchanted Meadow owns and LP's logging right up to the boundaries. Oh, of course, now it's Mendocino, Mendocino Redwood Company, not Louisiana Pacific anymore. Well, tell us... Oh, it is MRC. Yeah. <laughs> the motives are the same. <laughs> okay. Tell us what MRC is doing right now that has your concern. Well, right now they're degrading the area. They've actually been degrading the Albion River watershed ever since they purchased it about 20 years ago. And um, from the mouth of the Albion River at the Pacific Ocean to three and a quarter miles east, um, that part of the river is considered wild and scenic. And they have timber harvest plans in that area in the past and currently now with these, this, this current plan. 
and they are actually just degrading the watershed and impacting the scenic views as well as the environmental health of the river. They have an MO where they come in and they, um, they take the tops of the ridges and they put in roads. And when they put in the roads, the highest tolling trees, the trees growing at the highest elevations, are cut. So if you're looking at the ridge, you will see a truncated uh, tree line. The ridges in some areas are about 100 feet lower than they should be because the tallest trees have been taken out. And then they also thin trees. And they also uh, put, put roads and use roads on very, very um, steep and unstable areas. We've had a lot of... Um, a lot of damage occur as a result of the timber operations adjacent to the sanctuaries. So, Zia, what what can be done to try and slow down MRC with from these destructive practices? Pardon me. What can be done to try and slow MRC down from these destructive practices? I think what ultimately what has to happen is the laws need to be changed because. Um, I think the laws that are in place now have probably been lobbied by the timber industry, and um, it gives them a lot of slack. Um, they have the timber harvest plan process, which um, is it's supposed to um, be a blueprint of the cut, but they're very vague, the timber harvest plans. They don't address specific issues, and they say a lot of maybes and a lot of maybe nots. Um, right now, I'm so pleased that it's raining because the earth needs needs the rain, and uh, the forest is absorbing the water, and they can't log at the moment. So I'm very pleased that the rain is stopping the logging. But um, in terms of um, direct action out there, um, we do want people who can come and be on our land. We're not asking anyone to trespass. We do want people to come out and be on our sanctuary lands and be um, boundary monitors. Because uh, right now the way that the timber harvest plan has been approved, but um, the boundaries of the timber harvest plan actually um, are inaccurate and they actually are on our property. And we tried to point this out to CDF, but they just ignored it. They approved the plan. So we, we are seeking people to come out and... Um, come out and be on our sanctuaries and get to know the area and it's very very beautiful and connect with the place and monitor our boundaries we would like that very much okay well we'll be sure that the people have your contact information before before we're done here i wonder if if cow would like to say something here you said he's he, he's with you yes he is Oh. Hi, Chris. Hello, Coyote. How are you doing today, tonight? Pretty good. No complaints. I wondered if you would like to add anything to what Zia has said to us so, so far. Oh, well, um, well, there's a lot of things, but the, the one thing I find rather interesting is they uh, sprayed magnesium chloride on the logging road to keep the dust down. And what had happened was after the first rain, which was a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I used Dead Man's Creek as a water source. And it's clean water. It's been tested and everything, so it's clean water. But after the first rain, I went down there and tried some of the water, and you could actually taste the magnesium chloride that had run off into the uh, Dead Man's Creek, which is going to the Albion River. 
and it has a, a taste like really, really salty mixed with a little bit of like a ammonia taste. So it's already starting to kill some of the plants alongside the road on our property, and it's um, definitely washing into the into the river. And like I said, as as a as Dead Man Creek is my water source, that really was kind of disheartening to see that happen. But of course, you know, uh, water quality in Cal Fire said it's safe. It's not going to be a problem. But um, well, for me drinking it, it's a problem, Chris. So <laughs> I just yes. like to add that. Well, Carrie, I also think I know you. You go in those areas and you harvest wild foods down there too. Yeah, correct. Rose hips, uh, acorns, uh, fir, redwood tips. Definitely, big forager in that area. And that area produces quite a bit of food, so it's nice. And for, you know, and unfortunately, they went when they were redoing the roads. They went and actually came on part of our property and mowed down some of the thimbleberries and blackberries. So, <laughs> you know. Uh huh. Oh, well, what can you do? But, um, and they've also, uh, in constructing the road, they pushed a lot of slash over onto our property. And the road is, the, uh, the road itself is starting to, I imagine with this rain, it's going to, it's going to, um, come in a little bit, but there's starting to be landslides starting to, starting to happen that once again come and yeah. cover our land, too. So, but, you know. According okay. to Calfar, the roads. Kyrie, I'm going inter- to interrupt just for a second. Somebody's calling. I'd like to, to take the call. Okay. We have a question for you. Hello. Uh, sir, turn down your radio, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Hello. Do you have a question? Do you have a question or yeah. comment for us? Oh, please. I'm sorry. I, I had a frog in my throat. Um, I uh, yeah, I'd like to know where to go. Um, is there some place we can go tomorrow uh, or uh, mobilize and organize? I know there are people who were involved. Um, if I want to get involved, how do I um, proceed? And I'll take my my answer on the air. Okay, well, we'll let Kelly answer that question for us, sir. Okay, thank you. Hi. Zia, uh, the last caller wanted to know how he could get involved tomorrow, where he, he could go if he wanted to monitor. And he's waiting. He can, uh, he can email us tonight. Okay. And and leave his phone number, and I'll call him. Our, our contact information is info at friendsofenchantedmeadow.org. And if you just go to our website, www.friendsofenchantedmeadow, you'll find that contact information there. Thank you. That's great. Okay, Zia. I'm going to move, move as long. I would like to hear, for, for, I'd like you to do that, listeners, with what is this like for you? You you and Coyote have been on the boundary and Shanton Meadow for decades now. Tell us a little bit personal, personally how you feel what's going on there. Well, I feel very sad because the area is just being desecrated. It was it was an area that was totally outstanding and extremely beautiful, and it was a forest land, um, definitely in a healing, recovering state. And I would have liked to have seen it continue on recovering, but um, with the recent cutting by MRC, um, they've taken out so many trees. On each on the gulches on each side of our sanctuary, that um, it's probably going to take many many years for it to recover. And the very sad thing is, 
Most of the larger trees we saved in 1989, 32 years ago, most of them are gone now. They've taken them out. And there's just, it's just devastated. It's devastated. But I appreciate the area so much, and I do love going down there. And I'm hoping that things eventually will heal and that the animals will be safe. Well, Zia, I'm sorry I can't offer you more than just uh, thank you for the, the, the vigilance that you and Coyote have for this area. I know this is a very sacred area. I'm sorry that we have this really oppressive presence in our community, this logging company that treats the, the land the way that it does. And we're working for a change, and, and I know you are too, and thank you for everything you do towards that end. And thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. And thank you, everyone, who's working to save the trees everywhere. All the trees are important. Thank you. And just one more time with the contact information for people. Sure. Uh, info at friendsofenchantedmeadow.org. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Have a very good night. Good night, Chris. Good night, Coyote. Good night, Coyote. That was Zia Catalini and our good friend Coyote, who have been, been, been maintaining vigilance in the Enchanted Meadow area of Albion River for decades now. It's a very sacred area. If you get a chance to go out there, you, you will really understand why they call it Enchanted Meadow. It's a really special area. I recommend that you go down there if you're able to help them with their cause in terms of keeping MRC out of the sanctuary areas and you can help them then email them at info at friendsofenchantedmeadow.org okay we're going to have a song and then we'll come back with the next guest Matt Simmons from Environmental Protection Information Center here's a song from Danny Dollinger Walking with Power
His song "Walking in Power" will dedicate that song to everybody who is striving to to make those words in their life. Walking in power. That goes to everybody tonight. My next guest is Matt Simmons. Matt is a staff attorney with the Environmental Protection Information Center. Good evening, Matt. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you could be with us. Well, Matt, we're going to talk specifically about the letter that you, the EPIC sent to the state concerned with the violence that potentially is being faced by, I'm going to call them forest protectors in Jackson State. Why don't you, why don't you educate our listeners a little bit of what that's going, what's going on there? Sure. Uh, so since, um, I think, about April of this year, uh, forest defenders have been you know, literally standing between uh, loggers and some really large second-growth trees in Jackson. Um, Jackson is a, a state forest in Mendocino County, for those who don't know. Um, it's operated by CAL FIRE uh, for profit, um, and they announced this year that they're going to start cutting a bunch of the larger uh, second-growth trees. These are coast redwoods. You know, some of them are 150 years old or so. Uh, starting to get really big and starting to get some of those big old growth qualities that are super important. Um, and forest defenders have been really bravely stopping that from happening and then trying to advocate for, you know, managing our state forests differently. So you just recently sent a letter to, I think, Wade Crowfoot, is that his name? Yeah. About the potential violence that being faced by the, the forest protectors. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I have been hearing, uh, you know, a couple of different reports about some threats and some violence that had happened in the forest. Um, and I wanted to make sure that so Secretary Wade Crowfoot, he is the uh, Secretary of Natural Resources for California. So he's the guy who reports to Governor Newsom about all of our state, uh, you know, natural resources issues. And the person that reports up to him is uh, Tom Porter at Cal Fire, who is, you know, the person directly responsible for everything going on in Jackson. And so I thought I'd write uh, Secretary Crowfoot and sort of ask him, you know, are, are you aware of everything that's going on? Are you okay with this? Do you endorse this? Um, and see if he could come out in favor of a moratorium on logging, which I think is, is probably the safest way uh, for us to move forward with these with these situations. 
Well, let's, let's talk about the situations. We recently, very high profile, uh, the tribal chair of the Coyote Valley Band of Home, Michael Hunter, he, he faced uh, a, a private security person who just called himself a safety official, didn't identify himself any, any more than that. Let's talk about what happened with Mr. Hunter a little bit. Sure. Um, so Michael's been super active in advocating on behalf of Jackson. Uh, Jackson is northern Pomo and Coast Yuki territory. Um, and so, you know, Michael feels really, you know, really strongly about protecting these trees and protecting the forest. Um, and the Coyote Valley has been in government-to-government consultation with CAL FIRE about these timber harvests. Uh, and they've also been talking to Secretary Crowfoot and his office about these timber harvests. And, you know, Michael Hunter was actually told by Secretary Crowfoot, uh, there's no logging going on in JDSF right now. They, they paused it. And that was like kind of true because they, they paused it in part of the forest, but not all of the forest. Um, and so Michael Hunter heard that there was logging going on and he went into the forest to investigate. Um, and this is all caught on video and you can, you can find the video actually on Michael Hunter's Facebook page, which I, I'm pretty sure is public. Um, and so he goes into the forest to investigate and he's first confronted by, you know, a man who he sort of dressed like a, like a security or like a military man. You know, he's got army fatigues on, he's holding his phone and he's filming Michael and he says, you know, I'm a safety officer and I'm. I'm here to tell you that you can't be in here right now. Um, and we can talk more about who that man is and, and what he's doing there. But I think I'll, I'll skip past him right now and talk about what happens when Michael gets to where they're actually cutting. Because he, he goes up to the logger and he does exactly what you're supposed to do when you're doing any sort of forest defense protesting. You know, he, he sort of loudly announces that he's there. He makes sure the logger sees him and knows that he's there. And he tries to talk to him. And he tries to talk to him to say, like, hey, I, I, I think we should talk about what you're doing. Like, um, you know, let's let's figure this out. And he asked the logger, you know, I, I really hope that you don't accidentally fall a tree on me. And the logger says, oh, it won't be by accident. Right? And so that's that's a threat. You know, I, I, yes. I know that it's not the most direct threat anyone has ever made, but if someone says that to you and you're holding a chainsaw next to a tree, like, it's threatening. Um and so the fact that Michael Hunter had to... I'll, I'll jump in just for a little clarification, because I've seen that clip. And Michael says, I don't want to die accident, accidentally, I would say. And, and the logger said, it won't be accidental. That's, mm -hmm. that's specifically the language that was used there. Yes. Um, yeah, thank you, Chris. Um, and so, you know, that's scary, right? Like, I, I think no one on any side of this fight wants people to die, I hope. Um, maybe I shouldn't be so hopeful, but, um, you know, I, I think it's not worth for, for Secretary Crowfoot and for Cal Fire, they should really be, be prioritizing safety over these trees as like, you know, timber, right? And so, you know, I, I and everyone else in the Jackson Coalition has been urging them to call a moratorium so that we can all come together as a community and sort of talk about how to manage this forest better. Um, and I think that that incident is just a, yet another example as to why that's so important. So, um, so how long, what, what, when do you send this letter, 
When, when was the letter sent? Uh, a week ago, on the, the 14th. Have you seen, has it had any, has it, has it registered anywhere yet? Did you know? Uh, so I, I haven't received a response. I have heard that they're sort of writing a response that they're going to send to me. Um, so sometime soon I hope to, to see that and see what they have to say. Also, this is slightly changing tactics a little bit, but my understanding is there's recently been movement from State Senator McGuire and Assemblyman Jim Wood on, on Jackson State issues also. Yeah. Can you, are you free to comment about that? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know the details. I, all I know is that um, Jim Wood had actually written a letter, again, in response to Michael, just to emphasize how important Michael has been in this fight. Um, in response to Michael Hunter, who was asking him for a moratorium, he wrote a letter saying that he was in favor of a moratorium on on new timber harvest plans, right? So, so they shouldn't be writing new ones and executing new ones, but that he wasn't in favor of a moratorium on the older ones. Um, and I guess uh, uh, McGuire has, has come out saying he's maybe more in favor of a general moratorium, and so my, my understanding is they're going to talk to each other about exactly what sort of language they're going to come out with. Um, and then they're also talking to Cal Fire about their position. And so we don't, we don't have anything concrete yet, um, unfortunately, but we're, we're hoping to hear from them really soon and, and for, um, for, you know, for them to come out strongly in favor of a moratorium. So, we, we we're talking specifically about Michael Hunter here. Has there been other ins, instances that you are aware of where where forest protectors have faced threat or or had reason to be scared? Yeah. Um, so another really scary incident happened um, with a woman named Dewey Wesley. Dewey uh, was parked um, outside of a logging gate in the forest. Uh, she was by herself. And a, uh, a big black truck pulls up with no license plates on it. Um, and two men get out and they're both wearing masks. And, you know, I, I think everyone's sort of used to seeing people with masks now, but it's still a little bit intimidating when you're approached by two masked men in an unmarked truck. And so they come up to Yui and they say, you know, you need to leave. You can't be parked here. Um, and they don't say, oh, we're with the police, we're with Cal Fire. They don't give any sort of, um, you know, identification. And Yui says, no, I'm, I'm not going to leave. Um, and she tries to de-escalate the situation by offering them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And she's trying to talk to them. And, and you know, this is what, what I think forest activists always are trying to do, is they're trying to make the other side see them as human beings so that they, you know, don't hurt them. Um and eventually, the, the, the one of the men who was wearing a, a Blue Lives Matter flag mask, uh, he gets fed up with Yui. He reaches into his pocket, pulls out some uh, bullet casings, and throws them at her face and says, it's really dangerous out here in the forest, and then they leave. And, you know, once again, this is a threat being made against someone, um, and it's really terrifying, I think, you know, to, to think about what kind of happened out there in the in the forest, um, and you know, I think it, it, it's hard because you know we don't know who these men were, but it just feels like 
you know, they're, they're, there's somebody who knows about what's going on in the forest and is unhappy about it, right? And so that's the list of people that could be is, is not that long. So this the person that was in 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 connection with Michael Hunter, did he ever identify himself? Is he a private security? Who is this guy? Who is he working for? Yeah. So um, some forest defenders have identified him. Uh, based on, you know, what he looks like and how he talks as Paul Tourette. Um, and Paul Tourette founded a company called Lear Asset Management that I think some of your listeners might be familiar with. Uh, Lear is a private security company in Mendocino, uh, that's famous for busting up pot grows. They'll fly in on a helicopter and like rappel down, decked out in military gear and arrest everyone, or well, they're not cops, so they can't actually arrest you, but they'll, like, put everyone in handcuffs and then call the cops. Um, and, you know, they'll they'll come in and slash your, your marijuana plants, and that's that was sort of what they got famous for. Um, they're also hired by timber companies to hassle uh, protesters. Uh, they did so on the Matole a couple years ago up here in Humboldt. Um, they've also they've been sort of patrolling... Um, at Enchanted Meadows, they're, they're not protesting at Enchanted Meadows. They're they're making sure that they stay. I, I listened to the the section before this was the. Uh, they're making sure that they stay on their property, right, or off of the Enchanted Meadows property. But Paul Tourette has also been there uh, on their on the MRC side, sort of, uh, you know, I guess enforcing MRC's version of events. Um, and so he just he sort of seems to be everywhere. Uh, you know, dealing with these forest defenders, and it's it's scary. You know, he's he he's been known to carry a gun. Um, he was carrying a gun in, at Enchanted Meadows, but we haven't seen him carrying a gun in JDSF. But it's still sort of you know worrying that that's the kind of person that um, it was actually Mendocino Redwood Company hired him uh, to to be this safety manager is what they're calling it. Um, at Jackson. So he's, <clears throat> I'm trying to get the mechanism of how a private security person gets called a public safety officer on public land when he's, he's obviously a private corporation. <laughs> I, I, I can't make sense of this. Yeah, no, you're not the only one. Um, I, so I think this is probably a lawyer's fault if I'm, if I'm guessing, uh, because we know that a few months ago, um, the, the lawyer for Cal Fire, um, sorry, I'm blanking on his name, but he wrote a legal opinion basically saying, I don't think we can hire private security in the forest, right? This is, this is state land and it should really be being policed by state officials. And he was writing that in response to the fact that Cal Fire had actually hired some private security guards on a, um, on a different THP. So they, they they stopped hiring those private security guards, but now MRC wants to hire its own private security guards, but they can't call them a private security guard because of those legal opinions saying that they're not allowed to do that. Uh, and so they call him a safety manager, and they issue a press release saying that, oh, he's just there to do safety manager things. Um, but he's not just doing safety manager things. I mean, he's been... Uh, He's been seen taking photos of people's license plates, which is not about safety. It's about security and investigating who the forest defenders are. 
He's also sort of threateningly named the forest defenders, right? Like he's clearly like done some research into who they are and he'll come up to them and I'm just making up a name right now. He'll say like, Hey, John Smith, like I, I see that you're in the forest again today. Like that's not a thing a safety manager would do. Right. He, he's, he's trying to be a security guard. Uh, even if that's not his name or that's not his title. Well, that's clear that is, is in, in, in attempts to intimidate the the protector, the forest protector. Right. So, so Epic has taken this position. Have you seen? Have you ever seen this before in other areas? Um. Well, I've only been at Epic about a year. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure in the long history of Epic, we've seen other sorts of, uh, you know, threatening tactics used by timber companies against forest defenders. Um, I'm absolutely sure. Um, but, you know, it, it's sort of the kind of thing that uh, we would have hoped had, had stopped happening, uh, but we're, we're living through it right now, so it's still going on. Um, and I, I should clarify that, you know, the, the thing I said in my letter is the solution to this problem is to just call a moratorium on logging and bring everyone to the table so we can we can talk about what the future of Jackson should be. I mean, that's that's what's causing all this is that we haven't had like a real public, um, you know, public dialogue about how to manage the forest in the interest of the people of Mendocino, the Pomo, the the planet, you know, the the animals and and everything. It's just. You know, right now it's it's sort of the Cal Fire. Cal Fire gets to run it how they want, um, and that's what's making so many people unhappy. I'm gonna just, just take a minute just to reintroduce the show. This is KZUX. I'm your host, Chris Skyhawk, and your Universal Perspectives. My guest here is Matt Simmons. Matt is a staff attorney for the Environmental Protection Information Center, and we're talking about private security masquerading as safety officers in Jackson State Forest. If you would like to have a comment for, or a question for Matt, please give us a call at 895-2448. So Matt, I would like to to continue on with how, how we are massaging uh, Jim Wood and uh, the State Senator McGuire and on this issue. It seems like it seems like maybe there's a little bit of movement starting to happen here after a lot of effort. Yeah, I think that's right. I think they're, you know, they've been aware for a while of everything going on. Um, and I think, you know, they see these forest defenders and they see the photos of the, of the down trees that are, you know, so large. And I think they know that this is not, this is not how California should be treating its state forests. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm hopeful that they'll come out strongly in favor of a moratorium. I think everyone listening to this who thinks that we should stop logging in Jackson uh, until we have, like, a, a real public dialogue about the future should call up Jim Wood and McGuire and, and tell them that you're in favor of that. Um, another person you can call is Secretary Crawford's office and, and tell him that you, you think um, there should be a moratorium you can try to call Cal Fire, although I, I I don't have so much faith that Cal Fire will declare a moratorium on their own uh, on their own timber plans. Um, 
but yeah, we what we really need right now is as many people as possible making their voices heard, and and you know making your voice heard in the forest is is powerful and and has done a lot for this fight. But we need people on the other side of things too. We need people calling up, you know, Wood and McGuire and and just making sure that this issue doesn't go away, right? That they can't ignore it. Let's put let's put another tool in the tool chest for people and remind people about. Gavin Newsom and his thirty for thirty declaration. Yeah, please, please remind yeah. us about that. Yeah. So, uh, what was it? Uh, in I can't remember. It was late twenty nineteen or early twenty twenty. Governor Newsom signed a executive order calling for thirty percent of California's lands and waters to be protected by twenty thirty, and uh, this this goal comes from a actually a bunch of UN scientists who have said that we need to protect about 30% of the earth, uh, you know, in order to avoid a, you know, a complete biodiversity collapse and the climate crisis, right? Like we need, we need certain lands to be protected if we're all going to make it through the next century. Um, and so, you know, I, I applaud Governor Newsom on this goal. It's, it's a really commendable goal, I think. Um, but when you start looking at a map of California and thinking about, okay, so we've already got this much protected right in our state parks and our national parks, how much more do we need, uh, to get to 30%? There's, you know, there's a huge chunk that's federal land, which we'll have to talk to Biden about. And then there's a huge chunk that's private land, right? And one of the only big pieces of land that's owned by the state uh, and that meets all the criteria that we're looking for for lands to protect for 30 by 30, right? Because we want it to be land that's valuable for biodiversity and the climate and outdoor recreation. Jackson is the lowest hanging fruit. It's, it's a big, it's about 50,000 acres. It's a big piece of land. It's Coast Redwood Forest, which is one of the best forests on the planet for sequestering and storing carbon. It has northern spotted owl in it and uh, marble murrelet habitat in it, right? So it's important for protecting our biodiversity. And it already has a ton of great hiking and mountain biking trails in it. So it's, you know, it, it hits that check mark of an outdoor recreation place. Okay. And I should add on top. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, please finish. I was just going to say, on top of all of that, there's another executive order about making sure that California's policies you know, align with Native American cultural practices and Native American, protecting Native American culture. And Jackson's another place where you can do that, right? Because it's home to these important cultural resources for the Northern Pomo and Coast Yuki people. And if we stop harvesting timber in there and start protecting it, we can, we can achieve that goal too. So it's, it's just protecting Jackson just checks so many boxes and seems to me like a kind of obvious step for the governor to take. Okay, Matt, um, Matt I'm going to step in for a second because there are some people that would like to join you in this conversation. We're going to get some people on the air, okay? Sure. Okay, thank you. Hello, call you on the air. Hi, how are you? We're doing very good. Do you have a question or a comment for our guest here, Matt Simmons? Yeah, yeah, I do. I was wondering if uh, to blast out some of these numbers of uh, individuals who we can call. Uh, since you guys, you know, have the platform on the radio, why not uh, tell us all as listeners uh, what the numbers are? And sorry if you've already mentioned the numbers. I'm late to the show. I'll take my answer off air. Thanks for the program. Thank you very much. 
Do you want to hit that, Matt, tell people what numbers to call? Do you have that at your fingertips? Uh, I do not have that at my fingertips. What I would say is that if you just type into Google uh, Jim Wood uh, contact or uh, Mike McGuire contact, they've got uh, phone numbers you can call. They've got emails you can email. They've got forms you can fill out. These are your uh, elected representatives, and their whole job is to listen to you and make sure that you're happy. Uh, and, you know, it's, you can call specifically their Mendocino office, um, and they'll be especially, um, you know, listening for your concerns. Uh, and, yeah. So I guess you have to use your computer. And I'm, I'm thinking that a number of the local newspapers also will print, will say, what numbers to call for these these uh, Congress speakers? Yeah, public officials also. Yeah. yeah, one. You don't you don't have to use it. They, they definitely have a phone number you can call. I just don't have the the phone number in front of me. Okay, let's, um, well, we're going to get one more caller in here. Hello, caller around the air. Thank you for being with us. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes. 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 Thanks for the show. I really appreciate this uh, conversation. And first of all, um, I had a comment, and then I had a question for Matt. Um, first of all, the, the U.N. doesn't have scientists. Uh, the whole issue of the COP26, which is happening in Glasgow, Scotland, Scotland and the Paris Climate Agreement, is all voluntary signatories by countries. The U.N. doesn't... Um, uh, have its own scientists. These are world scientists that have been gathered uh, from around the world and peer-reviewed, reporting to governments. And um, the other issue that I wanted to mention is, you know, we could rely on Governor Newsom getting an executive order, but that could always be challenged in court. I think what's more important, and I want Matt to kind of talk about this, how can we get the California legislature to direct CAL FIRE to deal with the issue that the science is outdated? that makes sense? Yeah. No, I, I, I think that totally makes sense. And thank you uh, both for your correction uh, about the scientists at the U.N. and also for that question. Um, yeah, so I, I think you're totally right that an executive order is, is weaker and, and less long-lasting than legislation. Um, and with Jackson in particular, I think in the long term we're going to need some legislation because the forest is currently uh, managed by some old legislation that was written in the 1940s. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that says That's why that we the, need a moratorium. And I'll, I'll just listen off air, okay? Okay. Thank you, caller. Um, and oh, while I'm still on the line, I have uh, some phone numbers for folks to call. Um, okay, so Jim Woods' uh, Capital Office phone number is 916-319-2002. I'll say that one more time. Uh, Jim Wood, 916-319-2002. Uh, and then McGuire's Capital number is 916-651-4002, uh, 916-651-4002. And what you should be saying uh, to both of them is that you want a moratorium on logging in Jackson uh, 
until a you know a real public dialogue can take place about the future of the forest. Okay, Matt. Well, I can't believe it, but we're going to have to wrap up the show pretty soon. I would like to hear your closing comments. And I also know that Epic does a tremendous amount of work. If you want to just pitch that for a second, please go ahead. Sure, yeah. So uh, we do a lot at Epic uh, in Mendocino County, up in Humboldt, up in Del Norte, in Shasta and Trinity. It's, it's the whole sort of northwest part of California. Um, you can uh, see everything that we're doing at wildcalifornia.org, um, where you can also sign up for a newsletter that we send out uh, it's an email that goes out about every two weeks that, that talks about all of our most recent um, activities, and that's a good place to go for updates about Jackson, but it's also a good place to go for just sort of general updates about other environmental issues on the North Coast. Um, and, yeah, I'd say my, my closing thoughts about Jackson are that this is a state forest, right? It's, it's public land, and it's owned by the state of California, which means it's owned by all of you listen, listening to this. And, and so unlike a lot of our private timberlands where, you know, unfortunately we have to deal with these, you know, timber companies that think that they know what's best, what, what we should be doing in, in Jackson is what the people of California want. And what that means is that if you make your voice heard, and not just make your voice heard, but, you know, tell your neighbor, tell your cousin, tell tell your uh, friend who lives in Los Angeles. This is all their forest, too, right? It's all everyone who lives in the state of California. It's their forest. And what we need is a, is a big mass movement of people all talking about this, all sharing videos, all calling their uh, assembly members and state senators. And hopefully we can, you know, change the mandate of this forest uh, for the future, you know, and make it a forest that's helping to solve the climate crisis rather than contributing to it. Okay. Well, Matt, I just want to, on, on behalf of many people, I'm so impressed with Epic over the years. I've seen, I've seen how the Epic continues to grow as, in its footprint, and yet it always maintains its grassroots connection, and that is. A lot of organiz a lot of environmental organizations do not do that, and but you guys really stay close. You very close. You stay rooted in the grassroots. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're trying to be. So thank you. Okay, I'm going to grab the song. Last chance to say the last word if you have any. Uh, no, I'll just I'll just say thanks for having me on. Um, it was great listening, uh, and everyone go and support Zia too at Enchanted Meadows, and uh, lots of lots of important fights going on. And so, if you're not already involved in this stuff, uh, now's your chance. You know, it's never it's never too late to join in and you know pick up an oar and, and start paddling. So, uh, we hope to we hope to see you soon. Yes, and if you can't be out in the forest and doing direct action, you have phone numbers at your fingertips now, and a lot of information that Matt just gave you to to share with your state policymakers. So please do that. I'll repeat these numbers one more time. Matt, thank you very much for being with us. Yeah, of course. Have Thanks a good night. Me. I'll repeat the number one more time. For Jim Wood, 916-319-2002. For State Senator Mike McGuire, 916 
651-461-4002. Please make phone calls in the morning. That would be very helpful. We're going to roll the song from Peg, Peg Miller now. How can I keep from singing? Thank you for being with me here tonight. Thank you for Burton, Burton Siegel being here engineering with me. And again, thank you for your continuing support of this gem of radio station, KZYX. Here we go. Good night. Good night. My life flows on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I hear the real far of him That hails a new creation Through all the tumult and the strife I hear that music ringing It sounds an echo in my soul How can I keep from singing? What though the tempest loudly roars I hear the truth it liveth What though the darkness round me close Songs in the night it giveth No storm can shake my inmost calm While to that rock I'm clinging Since love is Lord of heaven and earth How can I keep from singing When tyrants tremble sick with fear And hear their death knells ringing When friends rejoice both far and near How can I keep from singing In prison cell and dungeon vile Our thoughts to them are winging When friends by shame are undefiled How can I keep from singing This podcast was produced by KZYX-FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, local community radio for Mendocino County, California. If you enjoyed the program and you'd like to hear more, in Northern California you can tune in anytime to KZYX at 90.7 FM in Philo, KZYZ at 91.5 FM in Willits and Ukiah, and 88.1 FM in Fort Bragg. If you're listening to this podcast from further away, we also stream live 24 hours a day at kzyx.org, where you can hear our eclectic range of locally produced music, public affairs, and news, along with daily state and national news programs and breaking news. You can also find out how to become a member to keep KZYX on the air. Thank you for listening.